spent many hours in the confessional listening to more so women than men talk about how they've lost grip on their children, spent many hours in the office in the cafe hearing about how children have been deeply affected by their parents and struggled to forgive, and then even sometimes spent out in the student union with an ask a priest a question sign in front of a table hearing how because of the scandal of religious leaders people reject religion altogether. There's just a real problem and it is a problem because there's no easy solution to it with children and parents with subjects and authority and it's incredibly difficult to navigate or how to provide a silver bullet answer. So all I want to do is just offer three theological reflections, we'll call them, on the issue to try to navigate it better because, as Jesus says, we have but one Father in heaven, and because we have but one Father in heaven, we do not reject authority, but we do what authority says but not necessarily what they do in the persons of the scribes and the Pharisees. So, the first thought or theological reflection. How am I supposed to receive from someone that I know is a sinner? Basically, how do I receive the good things from my dad if I know that my dad is a, a, a wicked and sinful man? How do I receive good things from the church knowing that um, there is corruption within it and not leave? How do I do that? In the 4th century, there was a heresy known as Donatism. And it went something like this. There are sinful priests in the church, sinful ministers. They if they are outside of a state of grace, how can they then give grace? How could a priest in the state of mortal sin confect the Eucharist? How could a priest in the state of mortal sin baptize? How do we reconcile that problem? If they're corrupt, then you can only receive corruption from them. Again, that problem disguise, or is expressed in many different ways. How can I respect my father if I know that he's a sinful man? How can I respect this authority if I know that there's corruption within it? And the answer to the problem, the response to the heresy, mainly from St. Augustine, was that though the minister might be corrupt, it is not by the minister's power that the action is performed. In other words, whenever that sinful priest takes bread in his hands, he says, this is my body which will be given up for you. Do this in memory of me. It's Christ saying that. Whenever that sinful priest is the one baptizing, it's Christ baptizing. Whenever that sinful priest, perhaps in, wor- in more sin than the sinner that he's absolving, is absolving. It's Christ who is absolving. How do I receive from a sinful father or a sinful mother? How do I respect an authority that might be corrupt? How do I um, receive these good things, recognize that they are all from the hand, through the hands of Christ, 
with the Holy uh, with the Father and in the Holy Spirit. That it is the Father who we have one Father in heaven who is giving us all these good things. It is not simply the authority, the human authority, or the human Father. It is God the Father through whom all good things come. The second reflection, how are we to receive bad things that come from authority? How are we to receive bad things that come from sinful fathers? How do we receive bad things that come our way? There is this book um, written by the theologian of the 20th century, uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar, named Mysterium Pascale. And he writes on those, uh, those, the Holy Triduum, those three days. And he has this beautiful and brief reflection on Pontius Pilate's role within Good Friday. That Pontius Pilate is the one who hands the Son over to death. He hands Christ over to death. And he does this, cooperating with the evil Jewish authorities and the evil Roman authorities. And he does it also because he is a weak and sinful man who does not believe in truth. Yet, Balthazar says, whenever Pontius Pilate washes his hands and says, this guilt is not mine. It is as if he is the one priest offering the Son to the Father. That if you can imagine in your mind, as Pontius Pilate is the one washing his hands, that he is, as the priest does in this liturgy, washes his hands before he offers the Son to the Father. That in the midst of the worst tragedy known to human history, the murder of God, that God used the most wicked actions of man to accomplish the greatest good. When Pontius offered uh, Jesus over to death, he also offered our salvation. It's a great mystery. And so how do we receive wicked things from maybe wicked fathers or wicked authority? is recognizing that God has already acted in the worst tragedy in human history. That he truly does, it's not just a nice idea, bring good things out of wicked ones. Or as Augustine says, he brings a greater good out of evil. That we must look beyond the suffering at hand and look to Christ on the cross, who is our salvation. That is how we are to receive wicked things from wicked fathers and wicked authority, is to look beyond and recognize that our Father in heaven can give no bad things and that those who love the Lord, all, good th- all things work for their good. Those who love the Lord, all things work for their good. And then the third reflection, how are we to really embody this? How are we to really embody this? And it's very simple. It's a grace that's already been given to us. It's the grace of baptism. But we do need to revisit it and understand it rightly. Whenever we were baptized, we did not just become mere members of the church. We did not just simply have our sins forgiven. We did not just simply have original sin blotted out. 
and heaven promised us if we remain in a state of grace. But we took on a history. We became sons of the Father. And we took on the history of the Son, Jesus Christ, so that his merits become ours. And so that the history of my Father and maybe all of the sinful history that might be, let's say that we came from the, you know, we're Irish, so we're just naturally angry, you know, or that like we have alcoholism in our family, and so, oh, we're just naturally going to be this way. Or there's always been promiscuity in the family, so hey, I guess it's going to happen to me too. There's always been resentment and unforgiveness in the family, so I guess that's going to happen to me too. That what we profess in baptism is that God is our Father, Christ our brother, and that he gives us a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within us. That we receive a history that is greater than our earthly parentage. We become truly adopted. We become plunged, immersed, and that plunging, a.k.a. baptism, can truly change us if we recognize that Christ desires to partner with us. What Jesus is emphasizing in this gospel is not something that can just be used against us Catholics, oh, call no man father, Um, but he's actually emphasizing something that is a true deep teaching within the church that Christ um, fathers us with the Father in the sacraments that he desires to share his history with us so that taking on Christ and no longer the concupiscence that comes from our earthly parentage and the history of our parents that we can accept his kind of DNA spiritually that we uh, can accept his merits, so to speak. And so what this does is that it breaks us out of the cycle that Jesus talks to the Pharisees about. He doesn't just simply say to the Pharisees, uh, or simply say to the crowds and the disciples that he's talking to, hey, the Pharisees have done bad things, get over it. No, all of Matthew chapter 23 is Jesus scolding the Pharisees. But he scolds them in two ways. And when he's talking to the Pharisees, he's also talking to us who are in authority, us who are fathers, us who are mothers. There are two fundamental temptations to follow to fall into. One, he brings up how the Pharisees um, don't lift their finger to untie burdens. The Pharisees fall into sloth. They can become discouraged. Those in authority... Fathers and mothers can become easily discouraged by their own efforts and recognizing, I'm not making as much of a difference as I thought I would. And so we become very slothful. And whenever we become very slothful, we cannot stay in sadness too long. So then what do we do? We look for success in other areas so that we don't feel so sad and discouraged. What does Jesus say that the Pharisees do? They walk around in synagogues and in marketplaces looking for seats of honor. Why? Because they feel dishonorable in the sight of their family. They feel dishonorable in the sight of the Father. And so the answer then is to 
look back to the Lord and not to make our fatherhood, our motherhood, or those in authority about us, but always pointing it to the Father. We notice this in the motherhood of Mary, that Mary is such a good mother, and she is so close to Christ, that Mary cannot eclipse Christ, that those who go to Mary necessarily meet Christ, so that hopefully, if taking Mary on as our mother, we can also be like that as fathers, mothers, and those in authority. That as we come close to Mary, that hopefully people coming close to us can only come into contact with the Father. And that we acknowledge that. We do not try to express a fatherhood outside of the fatherhood of God. And one that does not ultimately point to the Father. And so Christ adopts us in baptism. He feeds us with his body and blood so that all good things come from his providential hand. And that even the bad things that come our way, he will bring about a greater good within them. So that we do not reject human authority or human fatherhood, so that we don't also reject the fatherhood of God. 